Well, go ahead and grab a seat. Welcome to Susquehanna Valley Church. Uh, my name is Matt, and I, I just want to start out with um, kind of this opening part, not so much as a pastor, um, but as a dad of two boys in this church. And so um, on that note, I, I want to say thank you. Uh, my sincerest thank you to those of you who prayed, uh, to those who gave, to those who gave their time um, and their heart and soul to this weekend. Uh, There's certain things where, like, my, my ability to influence my kids as dad kind of ends, and then beyond that, they need so much more for them to, to follow Christ in this world and to be able to, to, to live the, the life that really I want for them, but ultimately that God wants. So I, deepest, deepest thank you to you. Uh, for picking up where, where kind of dad ends. And so um, j- just wanted to kind of be selfish and say, not so much as pastor, but just as a father, thank you. Uh, because it means, it honestly means the world to me. So, man, I didn't think this is going to be, I, I'm going to warn you right now, there's going to be some tears um, at some points uh, this morning, uh, maybe not even just by me, but by you. But um, yeah, let, let's kind of start out and a little more lighthearted. Uh, we always, and the preaching team, we always try to live out what we're talking about. We're not perfect. Uh, we're not like this extra special version of saint that because we stand up here and talk about God's word that we have this like mystical power about us. We're called to do something for Jesus Christ. Um, and part of what we're called to is to share these messages with you from the Bible um, but we always try to live them out so we know what it's like for you. And I had to forgive somebody the other day um, because we were sitting at a Mexican restaurant playing um, I Spy with my kids, playing I Spy with my kids. And at first, I was entirely focused on what I was going to order. And so I'm looking at the menu, and I hear I Spy going on between my wife and, and our two sons, which is really just our way of keeping them busy till the food gets there. Um, and, and so uh, they're playing I Spy, and they're seeing like the blue thing and the decoration, and the green thing. And then I, I realize what they're doing, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do like the wise dad move. I'm gonna get them with an I Spy item they're never gonna think of, my wedding ring, right? So I'll move it around so they're not always looking for it. I'll, I'll move it out of their eyesight. So I say, my turn, dad's turn. I spy something silver, and my ten-year-old goes, your hair. Without even thinking about it, your hair. I forgive you. This is real stuff. We, we're living this out, right? Silver hair. Yeah, you win, son. You win. This time. But next time, I will get you. Isn't there a part of us that wants a next time? That wants a next time, I'll get you. Once another voice, another word, something else, that, that chip on our soldier, shoulder, that, that little just edge of our heart that just wants to push back when we've been pushed. I, I want us to talk about that. We've been talking about forgiveness and we're talking about it with this word, this word tribute, that it's a, it's a tribute, it's this honor and attention, this sort of gift given to God when we forgive somebody. And I want us to kind of hone in on that a little bit, focus in on that a little bit. And it's really kind of funny because when I used the word tribute in the first sermon, um, it really kind of became more and more as I understood more and more, wow, wow, this is really really an ideal way to describe the concept of forgiveness because it's not really about me. It's not natural. It's not what I want to do. But it's me saying because something's been done for me. I'm going to do this for you. And so um, I want us to think about it. Really, every offense that we feel, 
is an opportunity for one of two paths. A path of tribute. A path where I say, this isn't going to be about me. This is going to be about a greater love that I have received. It's, it's one path is, is a path of tribute. The other path is a path of retribution. Of I'm going to find a way to pay you back. To make this, you, you push me, I'm going to push back. You saw my silver hair, I'm going to find some way to, to get you. It's a path of tribute or a path of retribution. And every opportunity really is this opportunity to say, God, I'm honoring you. Or somebody needs to pay up. I, either on, on one, one sense, I forgive you and it's gracious or punishment. And so I want us to look at those two paths and, and that reality. And as I was thinking down this path, it really, uh, thinking down the path of two paths, it's kind of funny. Anyway, um, as I was thinking down this, uh, the, the poem from uh, Robert Frost came to mind. You remember that poem, the, the Road Not Taken? It starts out, the ro two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And he ends with this stanza. I want to read it for you. He says, two roads diverged in a wood. And I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. See, every grudge, every offense, every pain, embarrassment that comes your way is really an option to take two paths, a path of tribute or a path of retribution. One of those is a well-traveled path. You don't have to look far in our society to see somebody who's built a career or built a life on vengeance. You don't have to look very far in your friend groups to find somebody who's held on to something for decades. You probably don't even have to look very far in your heart before you see a path of retribution. And you see how you can keep walking down that to nurse and, and try to heal and cope with that pain. Or there's a path less traveled. A path where the, the, you can't see all the footsteps because not as many people take it. I'm going to argue that the path of Christ is a path of forgiveness. is a path that will make all the difference in your life. That it's a path that God desires for you. It's a path that doesn't make sense. It's a path that, that doesn't feel like what you want to do. A path you're going to have to just shove your heart down at times. But that's the road that we're called to travel. See, Paul, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And 2 Corinthians, the whole, the whole book is really this response to a visit where it, it didn't really go the way that he wanted to go. It was painful. He had to address some subjects he didn't want to address. And one of the big things he had to address was somebody in the church did something that bothered and hurt a lot of people. Like if you were in the church in Corinth, you were either the guy that hurt people or the people who were hurt. Like he hurt everybody. He was an offender, and whatever he did, we don't really know, but there was a lot of hurt, and there were a lot of opinions about him, and there was a lot of sort of fallout from this incident. And Paul writes in the 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he wants to give us sort of this teaching on what can happen with this path of retribution if we're not careful. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says this, I am not overstating it when I say the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time for it is now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. Let's pray. 
Uh, Father God, I, I just pray that as we deal with a, a subject that we've been dealing with for the past couple of weeks, and, and Lord, we might be ready to just move on from it, but I feel like there's just so much more here, Lord. And, and I know that our hearts are heavy and almost concrete-like when it comes to this issue. And Lord, I think of people even from the beginning of my ministry who, who had held on to, to lifelong grudges. And they just were so far down a path that to consider a different one would just would take so much humility to say I've been wrong for so long. I pray that you grant us overwhelming humility right now, Lord. That even if it means decades of wrong living, that we set foot on a new path. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, we don't really know the exact nature of whatever happened in the Church of Corinth. People have written, written, written pages and pages and pages of information about what they think happened here. I, we don't know. I think it's kind of intentional. I, I think Paul leaves it vague for any reader to be able to say, I can relate to that. I can connect with whatever happened there. That I can tie my story to, to this experience. And really what he's doing is, is Paul wants him to just sort of step back and see the picture of what's happening here. See that there are two paths, a path of punishment or a path of love. And to say, what kind of person do you really want to be? Are we going to be people that love God and love most people? Or are we going to be people who love God and love all people, even the ones I really don't feel like it, even the ones that it's really challenging me to do? See, you see, Paul is saying forgiveness is more than just words. It's not just lip service. You can't, this is something where you can't just say it. You can't just say I forgive you, right? It's got it's to come from the heart. It's got to show up. It, it can't just be more words. And so what Paul is going to do is, is he's going to lay out two things that are really important for us to understand. And then as we work into that, we'll, we'll give you some, some advice for how to do that. Um, so two things that are really important for us to understand. The first is that Paul says there has to be a concern, not just for yourself and for the people who are hurt, but, but for a Christian, a concern for the well-being of the offender. A concern for what about him? And he says that that, that person would not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. There's somebody underneath that offense. There's somebody underneath the, the, the hurt that, that there's a human being under there. That for whatever reason, they, they believe that their action was okay and they, that their mind was corrupted or, or just perverted enough to think that what they did was okay. And, and underneath it, there's a human being. And this is so incredibly counterculture. I mentioned can cancel culture. We just want to eliminate a person. Move to a place where they don't exist anymore. And Paul says, what about him? What about the person we want to counsel? What, what about the love? And this is, look, this, I, I'm being real as a human being. This is the last thing I wanted to think about for the people that wronged me. This is, the, this is the, like the last very bottom of the barrel thought that I want to think about for the people who have wronged me, which is exactly why the word tribute fits so well to this, because it's not really about me. It's not about what I want to do for myself. 
This is solely about what I want to do for Jesus Christ. That's it. I know, and I know it's better for you physically. It's better for you emotionally. It's better for you spiritually. It is better for you to forgive. I don't, like, just beyond that. When, when it comes to reaffirming your love for somebody, I'm asking you only to do it for Jesus Christ. Only to do it for his incredible love for you. That you would pay tribute to his love. Paul kind of picks up that thought. He says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 9, he says, I wrote you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions. In other words, that this was in a sense a test. That your ability to forgive somebody is a demonstration of how real and authentic your love for Jesus Christ is. In a sense, for them to forgive would almost be like this award speech, this acceptance speech, where at the end of it, they come up and they, and they say, you know what, I just I want to thank those who made this possible. Forgiveness is you going, I'm going to thank the only one who made this possible. And his name's Jesus Christ. And this is about him. This is about his life. If I, if I was able to pass this test, I couldn't have done it without him. I couldn't have. This is not within me. I didn't want to love you. But Jesus loved me when I was a sinner. Jesus loved me when I was an enemy. And so out of a tribute for him, I love you. And so it's a concern for the individual. But, but Paul's going to continue, and he's going to warn about something else. That it's not just your heart that matters, but, but he wants us to see with our intellect something that can happen on the other side, that, that there's a wisdom to understanding what happens to us when we don't forgive. He says you should, you should be on the path of, of tribute, not retribution, but, but I need you to understand something about the path of retribution. Is it, it doesn't want to let you go easily. It doesn't want to let you off the path. It want, it wants, it's like this magnetic feel to, to want to keep you where you're at. And he says there's something to that. There's a reason you don't want to forgive. There's a reason that you want to stay where you hold that grudge. There's a reason, and it's not the surface reason. There's a spiritual reason underneath it all. He tells us what that reason is in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive, whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. Watch this. Here's, here's the magnetic, here's the draw so that Satan will not outsmart us. For we are aware, we are familiar of his evil schemes. In other words, that this isn't just about you and another individual. It's not even just about you and another individual and Jesus. But there's another character involved in this whole process. There's another adversary who is not in favor of you loving God and all people. And he'll do whatever it takes to keep you on a path of retribution. Galatians 6 says it this way, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. Watch out. Don't think that there's a reason why you want to stay here and it's just your reason. No, there, there's a deeper spiritual thing going on here where we can go too far down a path, too far in a, in a, in a punishment sense. John Walvoord says this, the, the pendulum in our heart can swing too far and not want to come back. We just want to punish and not ever want to 
love. Where we change from offender to, sorry, we change from offended to sort of aggressor, to prosecutor. And we make it about punishing that person. Lighten up a little bit here. Um, now for another segment of words, uh, a segment of sermons where, where it's called um, Words I Misunderstood for 39 Years. Okay, so words I misunderstood for 39 years. Um, I shared with you a couple months ago about windfall and how it's really windfall, right? It's windfall, right, with the D. Am I, no, none of you know. This is, this is great. It's windfall with the D. I thought it was windfall because when something fell your way, you won. And so for years and years, for 39 years, I assume that's how it was. Well, there was another one that I just found out. Okay, so for 39 years I've been living with this, with this way of thinking about a certain word that it was a different word than what it actually is. And so, you know when you go to the beach, right? You go to the beach and you get in the ocean and, you know, a wave comes in and the water goes out and the water sort of feels like it's pulling you back out a little bit. And, and like the, there'll be signs, watch out for the riptide or whatever. So the word that I assumed that was, was this word, undertow. I don't know why any of you are laughing because this is perfectly logical. Because the water goes underneath your toes and back out to the ocean. That's why you feel the sand moving underneath your feet and the lifeguard wants you to watch out. Watch out for the water, for the undertow water because it's pulling you back. Totally logical. An illogical form of this word is undertow which is apparently the correct word, but is entirely wrong because there is no tow truck. There is no tow rope. There is, however, water moving underneath your feet, which tends to pull you back out. So I just wanted to say I learned that this week, that the rest of the world is wrong about something I'm right about. So undertow. What Paul is saying here is watch out for the undertow. Watch out. That when you've been hit by the wave that is the offense, that right after it happens and you get knocked down and it messes your life and it disorients you and you're just laying there, that there's a part of this that wants to tow you back out, that wants to pull you back out to sea, take you down a path of retribution in order to deal with the pain you felt. He says, be careful. Don't be unaware don't be, uh, don't be oblivious to the dark side that unforgiveness has to it. That this will pull you out and change you into something that you do not want to be. We have to be committed to a mission to be a tribute to Christ, not buy into a scheme of retribution for Satan. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Tribute, just as, just as, tribute. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Tribute. Not retribution, but tribute. I want to give you some current fighting advice. and We'll do two. I had three. I think we'll do two. And we're going to watch a video. Uh, first one is this, is remember what's in the bank. Remember what's in the bank. Here's the thing. When we get hurt by something, we tend to take that pain and just put it in a part of us. And it'll come up sometimes. And it's just like this bank of pain. 
But there's another bank. And that bank is God's love. And I want you to be consumed with that one. I want you to have just whenever, that, whenever the, the pain shows up, have this, have this one, Psalm 103 experience. Psalm 103 says this, He does not treat us. God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. When it hurts, just take Psalm 103 out of the bank and just look at it. And let it love you. Let it satisfy the part of you that's hurt. I've done so much counseling in this, and this this is my plea to you. Let tragedy find its end in Psalm 103, not retribution, not vengeance. Let your pain find its end in Jesus Christ and his love for you. Not in, not in any other satisfaction that you can gain because of where an undertow takes you. And what you'll find is, not, not that just forgiveness is a necessity, but it's something you're eager to do because you've been so overwhelmed with the love of God. So overwhelmed. You've got to remember what's in the bank. See, when we're hurt, what we, what we really want is to somebody to validate and to heal. Like somebody acknowledge and, and say, yeah, what, what, what happened is wrong. It shouldn't have happened. It should hurt you. It, it, it's, it's just this evil thing. It's not fair. There's a part where we want to be validated, but there's also a part where we want to be healed. Psalm 103 will do both for you. Retribution will never do it. It, it, it will never, that's why it's a path. That's why it keeps going. That's why it's an undertow that just keeps pulling you. Because the way that we handle with it will never validate, will never, will never, never heal. So our tragedy needs to find its end in heaven. Needs to. Second current fighting advice is, is we have to acknowledge our overreach. That the pendulum can swing too far. That in an effort to get back, we may have for a long time done too much. And so it might be an act of humility to ask our own forgiveness for how far we've went. We take it personally, and we hang on to it, and we deal with it personally. Watched a documentary of Michael Jordan and, and his success, and uh, it was on Netflix, and it was really eye-opening to how, uh, how incredibly successful he was and how much of his success was built on retribution, built on revenge, and how, how he would again and again take something personally. You may have seen a meme. There's a meme that's been like popular. Um, we got a picture where he just... And I took that personally. And this coach did this, and he looked at me the wrong way. And I took that personally. There's like 10, 15 times where he makes that statement in this documentary of this player looked at me, or this player said this, or this, this advertisement, or this coach, or this front office guy. And I took that personally. And I took that personally. We take things personally. And we try to deal with them personally. And the ones that are personal hang with us. Senior year of high school, one of my best friends in life growing up. Spent just about every day over the summer with him until one day driving home from school. And didn't talk to him for over a year. Actually didn't talk to him for beyond a year. 
And you might think this is silly, but this is my revenge story, so I'm just going to be vulnerable here. We're coming home from school one day, and we're, we're going up 743, and um, th- there's, uh, there's one spot in particular that's a little bit nasty, and um, we come to that part, and the traffic's backed up, and there's a major accident. Ambulances are there, police are there, and, and so we're stuck in traffic for a while, and, and, and all of this is kind of this sobering moment, you know, when, when you see an accident like that, and we, we drive around it. I'm in the, the passenger seat, and, and my buddy's driving, there's two other guys in the back seat, and we start to drive up a hill, and there's this, I mean, we're not even a block away from this accident scene. We're on the other side of it, and the person in front of us is driving incredibly slowly, and just out of sheer stupidity, uh, my buddy, in his impatience, decides to pass him going up a hill with a speed limit of about 55 on this road, and no idea what's coming on the other side of the hill, and I blew up. I lost it. How could you be so incredibly selfish that you couldn't wait one minute to clear the hill? How, how, why? There's three other human beings in this vehicle. It It took another eight minutes to get to my house, and I didn't shut up for the next eight minutes. I was just preaching to him about how foolish he was, and I didn't talk to him. And he coped with that by making fun of me and, and doing other things. And, and, and I took it personally. And so I dealt with it personally. And in my heart was sort of this snake waiting to strike any time I saw him in school. Any time his name came up just to damage his reputation, just to, to, to take a cut. You know what the scriptures, you know what Paul would have been saying to me? Too far. Turn, turn back now. You got caught in the undertow. That there's way more damage here being done than, than is fair. Back up. That's not what this is about. You're building a monument of retribution. When what Jesus Christ calls us to is a monument of tribute. What stories do we want to tell? Do we want to have really good revenge stories? Or do we have an I want to have absolutely incredible grace stories. I, I want to end by, by showing you this video. This video is uh, from a, a guy who's been coming to SVC for a long time. Uh, his name's Gary Hyam. Most of you know him if you've been around. Um, Gary is just an incredible guy. And we know Gary now. There's a reason we didn't give Gary the microphone and we put him on video so we could just edit down. I love Gary. But th- this comes from a point in Gary's life where he's younger. He's in high school and you know, everything's going well. Awarded wrestler, he's president of the student council. He's just everything's going well, and one day everything changes, and you find yourself in the place where you're in deep need of forgiveness. And I just want you to check this out. I'm Gary Hyde. I have been attending the church since uh, Susquehanna Valley Church since 1994, so it's been over 25 years. And a couple months ago on an email from the church. They announced that there was going to be a series on forgiveness and asked if anybody had a story of forgiveness that they wanted to share. Well, I have a story of forgiveness, but not that I want to share. 
Um, there are certain things in your Christian life you seem to get past them, and you don't go back to them again. But my personal opinion is on forgiveness. It is so outside of the human norm that I know for myself, I, I just stumble all the time with it. So let me get to my personal story. Um, many of you know I grew up on a farm, and that's an unusual lifestyle. Grew up in a very conservative Pennsylvania Dutch Christian community. So I'm in my senior year of high school, and we were going to, I got invited to be on uh, a scholastic quiz team. I don't know if you remember those, whether they still have them public TV. So they'd have one high school versus another high school. And each team would have four people. Well, what they did is they, they picked one girl and one guy that could answer all the questions. So the other two were just window dressing. I was one of the two that were window dressing on that team. They didn't need any answers out of me. They just had to introduce me. Well, we only got one channel in that valley. WGAL TV8 out of Lancaster. The only channel you got. So they wanted us to see how this scholastic um, quiz show worked. So there was a person over in the other valley, the next valley over. Again, the high school was Tri-Valley, so you went over mountains. And uh, they had public TV. There weren't many that had public TV. So we went over on a Monday night, April 16th, 1973. And those that were going to be participating were there, and we got to see the show. I don't know why, but I took my motorcycle over to, the, to, to that house to watch that program. So I took that, and um, after the program was over, I don't remember the details. I must have been invited. Um, uh, Jane Berner, who was the treasurer of the class, uh, lived a mile down the road, was probably dropped off by her parents because they only had one car and, and they wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to give up the car that long. So we were, we were really close. Um, I'm not saying other people aren't close with their classmates, but it was a different context. And instead of going straight home, stuck to the back roads and just went for a ride. And as we were going down one hill, again, this is hill and dale, and in the, down the hill in most of these areas, what's down below? A stream. So we're going down this hill, probably 50 miles an hour in that range, probably. And all of a sudden, the lights on my motorcycle 
shown a dirt mound about eight feet high across the whole road. We hit that at about 50 miles an hour. I am doing somersaults in the air. I could feel myself doing that, thinking I am going to hit something, the ground. Instead, I landed in water. It somehow was deep enough, I never even touched the bottom. This is a stream that is about 6 inches to 12 inches deep, normally. But Agnes had come through Hurricane Agnes in 1972. It took out every bridge in that whole area in June of 1972. I'm in the middle of nowhere. There are no lights. There are no noises. And I look back, there was a full moon. And so you're looking across the stream. I don't remember if I yelled for Jane, but obviously I was trying to locate her. And because I was doing fine, not a scratch on me, I assumed that's how she was. So probably a couple minutes, maybe a minute, you don't know how much time passes. I thought I saw something on the stream bed, on, on, in the water. So I swim over there, and it was Jane, head down. So with one arm, I swim over to, to a bank of the creek with her and got her up off out of the water onto the bank and doing what you would think that you would do. No training, but did CPR. I prayed when she didn't respond. I prayed to God to bring her to life. It didn't happen. And in the far distance, I saw a light. So I swam across the stream, went to that house. So there's a lot transpired since you know, after that, you can just imagine. I can't even, I can't even think through the hurt of the parents, of the sisters, of the brother, of my parents, of the classmates, of Richard Leitzel, the boyfriend. The human mind doesn't allow you to process all of that. But all of that happened. So fast forward then. I generally followed the rules. I had gotten a permit for the motorcycle. But I had not gone out to Pottsville to take my test. Because I just wasn't on the road. <laughs> it was all dirt biking. But, I mean, a major mistake. So I was in an accident with no valid license. And you couldn't have a passenger when you had a, when you had a permit. 
could only have a passenger when you had a, the license. So the district attorney had not much choice. So the district attorney brought um, a vehicular homicide charge against me to be charged, although I was 17, to be charged as an adult. Now, I don't, as a teenager, you don't remember, you don't think of those details or anything like that. But the next event is in the courthouse. And I guess it was a preliminary hearing. The judge is up there, the DA is presenting the charges. And then it's the defense attorney's time. He calls the principal, the superintendent of the school district, recites, you know, what my status was at the school. The principal of the, the school also testified in my favor. But and then Jake's parents stood up <laughs> and testified and said they didn't want the charges to continue. They wanted to drop them. So the parallel from a Christian standpoint, we have some scripture that says that Jesus, who died for us, is our advocate, and that we're going to have to give an account of everything that we do here. And essentially paints a picture of us being guilty without question. We have no defense whatsoever. And Jesus advocates for us and says, I paid the price, but most don't have that lifetime experience of somebody that should not forgive you and standing up and saying, take away the penalty for that action that he did. And so I just encourage you to look at your own circumstances. Very few people walk between the raindrops their whole life. We have tough, tough issues that come up in life. And you will feel very strongly about the ones that you might have had where people have hurt you and it isn't it isn't natural to forgive people that have hurt you it's supernatural incredible thank you to gary for um being willing to share uh, This isn't, this isn't easy, but this is at the core of who we are. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave him. 
His son lost his life for us to find life. And as Gary mentioned, Jesus becomes our advocate. We are a people who our entire existence, who we are, is built on the reality that we were forgiven though we didn't deserve it. Our life is built on grace. We're called to walk a path of grace, to offense by offense, hurt by hurt. Say, this is the story of a tribute to a God who forgave me. I don't know if you've been down a path of retribution for an hour or for 20 years or 60 years, but I pray you walk a path of tribute. I pray your life is built on the love and sheer overwhelming grace of Jesus Christ. To hear a story of parents whose end found its tragedy, whose tragedy found its, its end in heaven, and for us to be a people who do the same. Lord God, we love you. And we praise you because ultimately the story that Gary shared is our own story. A story of totally undeserved forgiveness. I mean, it doesn't even begin to make sense. But yet here we are. Loved by you and our sins are separated as far as the east is from the west. I pray that, that as the offenses come, Lord, that we get to be good at separation too. We separate the offense from the individual. And we love you and we love all people. Amen.